Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 442. And today I'm excited because we are going to be diving into how to find suppliers and source your products. And this is part three of our series or our roadmap, if you will, on private labeling and how to launch your first product or additional products on Amazon. And I have again with me, Chris Schaefer. How's it going, my friend? Oh, it's going, brother. You know how it is. We, uh, we're doing the Amazon thing. We're launching some products. We're doing some contests. We're doing all kinds of stuff. So in between some of the stuff you and I have been doing this morning, I've been checking all those numbers. They look fantastic. And I'm ready to dive in and talk just a little bit about sourcing, which is kind of a sore spot for a lot of people. Yeah, it really is. And I'm glad that you kind of brought up all of that other stuff because people listening right now might be saying, well, that's a lot of stuff. And it is, but it's fun. And uh, Chris is actually uh, you know, going through some of the things that we're doing in the new brand. And these are things that you will eventually get to once you get through these five phases. And that's why we decided to do this, this series of exactly how we are doing it and how we suggest that you do it and also how a lot of our students are doing it. Now, I did want to recap a little bit very quickly. If you have not listened to the overview of this five-part series, you're probably going to want to do that at some point, and that can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 440. And then we just talked about the first phase, which was in the last episode, which was all about product research, market research, how to validate a product, see depth, demand, all of that good stuff. That can be found at episode 441. And then this episode is 442. So all of the show notes, the transcripts can be found um, at the show notes page to this episode, but also at those others that I mentioned. And all you ever have to do is go to theamazingseller.com forward slash whatever episode that is. So in this case, 440, 441, and 442. Now, the other the other thing I wanted to mention here real quickly is we recently did uh, a episode on, actually it was episode 435, so not that long ago, where I broke down and talked about a China agent where she spoke out actually with my partner and how she saved us $5,000, possibly more, on bad product. And I give you the four steps to follow and things that we've learned through this process. Now, we're going to be touching on some of those in this episode, but that was a good episode just to kind of hear that story and then hear kind of what we are doing moving forward um, to make sure that that stuff doesn't happen. And like I said, we will be highlighting some of that stuff here as well. But what I wanted to do here is give you a framework to kind of go through. And again, this is what we do during our, our workshops. This is kind of the, uh, you know, the second phase, if you will, for sourcing um, as far as the process, the roadmap. But this is really critical because once we get through the product research stage and we get to that point where we have five or maybe 10 different products that we think could be winners, then we have to go out there and see what these are going to cost us because that will really tell us if it's something that we can even launch. So before we jump into that, Chris, is there anything you wanted to add to that before we uh, jump into the sourcing part here? I, I would say if you know if you are, are in the sourcing phase and if you're listening to this, I would suggest you know being in the sourcing phase. We touched on it a little bit at the end of the last episode that we did here, Scott. But you know, if even if you've been through this before, 
if you're in sourcing, come back and listen to this episode. Listen to, did you say it was 435? Yes. Is the other one, you know, and, and get kind of a refresher every time you do this. The, the just-in-time learning thing can't be overstated. You and I still kind of go back through some of the material that we've even created just to make sure that, you know, we check all the right boxes. We look at our checklists. We do those kinds of things to make sure that we're doing everything. And so <clears throat> if you're in the product sourcing phase, definitely listen to this. Listen to 435. Buckle down and focus on the product sourcing stuff. And that's going to cut down on the distractions, right? There's a lot of other things. There's a lot of shiny objects. But each of these five phases that we're going to be talking about are their own little animal. Now, they're not all that complex once you start to do it, but there are a lot of moving pieces, right? They're not hard, but they're com or they're not hard, but they're difficult, yeah. right? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, like, it does. There's a lot of things. They're not hard to do, but to do them all well can be difficult. And so if you buckle down, you look at just each thing as its own individual chunk, it's going to make things a lot easier. And I think especially for people who have never sourced a product before, it's very true for this phase. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's like you don't want to get yourself overwhelmed, but this is just one of those parts like during this process. So again, everything kind of has its own individual process, but in the five phases, this is phase too. And this is, you know, this is an exciting time too, because then we're going to go out there, we're going to find our product, and then we're going to try to make modifications to it. And this is going to be where you're going to build that relationship with an agent. And a lot of people ask, well, where do I find these agents? So with that being said, let's just kind of dig in here. All right. So step number one, once you have your handful of products that you want to look into sourcing, you have to figure out where to, you know, reach out to people, right? So the first place that we like to go is Alibaba or AliExpress. Let's explain the difference between uh, each of those. Alibaba is really the main company in a sense, okay? And what it is, is it's a place where you can connect with suppliers, manufacturers, trading companies, like all of these different suppliers and, and just people that are selling products to people like us can be found there, okay? That's Alibaba. So just think about it like a marketplace where it takes all of the uh, you know the suppliers, the manufacturers, uh, trading companies, all that stuff, and it brings them under one roof. And then we can now search by different criteria, which we're going to explain here in a second. Now, some people say, "Well, Scott, everybody's using AliExpress or Alibaba. Why would I go there? That's where everyone's going." It's a great question, and here's my answer that I give everyone. That's where you're going to just establish the connection. It's not necessarily where you're going to find the product. So you might be saying, well, okay, but if I'm going there, I want to see if they sell a garlic press uh, and I want to buy a garlic press. That's okay. But here's the deal. Let's say, for example, that I want to sell, uh, maybe it's a garlic press, but maybe it's uh, maybe a garlic press uh, I don't know, extension, uh, for it because I want a longer handle. I don't know. I'm making up stuff randomly here, but let's just say that that was the case. Well, I know that if I find a manufacturer that makes a garlic press, they may be able to help me find someone, or they may even do it themselves that sell the extension for it. Right? So it's a way for me to make that connection to a supplier that manufactures stuff in my space. All right. Same thing with, uh, the, you know, let's just use coffee. For example, like if you wanted to, uh, have, uh, you know, a manufacturer make something specific to coffee, then you probably want to find coffee related products. Then that will lead you to the manufacturer that will then be able to help you. 
or you can also be connected to the agent that is working for the manufacturer. And then from there, they can, once you create that relationship, which we're going to talk about because it's really, really important. And if you did not listen to episode 435, you're going to hear why it's so important because because we created that relationship with our agent, they helped save us a ton of money and they're potentially now going to be working for us privately, which is kind of crazy. And they just took a six hour train ride one way to two different factories for us to look at other, uh, other products that we're thinking about selling. So some really cool things you can do there, but we were able to find this agent that works for a manufacturer by going to Alibaba. So again, I just want it to be very, very clear. We're not necessarily looking for the product on there, although you could, but we want to find a manufacturer by finding an agent that can let us know what they offer or maybe other catalogs that they have or other products or maybe even sister companies that they have that aren't even listed on Alibaba. The only way that you can technically find products that aren't on Alibaba or AliExpress for the most part is if you go to the Canton Fair or somewhere in China or another country because then not all of those products are listed there. The second best way is to establish a great relationship with a China agent and then from there, they can help lead you because they're there, all right? And that's exactly what we're doing right now. Now, uh, AliExpress, let's just talk about this really quickly. I get a lot of people that say, what's the difference? AliExpress is a great way to test products very quickly. That's why it's Express, all right? We can go there. We can find something that's similar to what we want to sell if we just want to test something fast, all right? And we can, we can order five units if we want to, or we can order one, or we can order a hundred, all right? We are going to spend more, but in the same breath, we can test a lot quicker. The only downfall is you're probably not going to be able to modify it. You're probably not going to be able to do special branding. One workaround for that would be get your own box, get your own labeling, and then have them send you the unit, and then you would have to self-pack them. We had one of our students do exactly that. It worked, um, and then they went out and they found a co-packer, and uh, they ended up being able to scale that versus having to pack everything by hand. But that's AliExpress. AliExpress is a great way, uh, number one, get ideas, but then also to lead you to another manufacturer or to get you that connection or just to test, all right, to test products pretty quickly and low risk. So let's go back to Alibaba now. Now, Alibaba, they have filters that are built in, okay? And the only ones that I'm really, really like, uh, you know, I guess uh, obsessed with are the ones that are going to filter out different manufacturers that have trade assurance and then gold supplier. So let me explain those two really quickly. Trade assurance is kind of like an insurance policy that's through Alibaba. So what will happen is if you have an issue with your manufacturer and you're not happy with it and they've been really hard to deal with, you would file that claim through Alibaba Alibaba now would go after the manufacturer or at least negotiate with the manufacturer. And then if Alibaba felt as though they were in the wrong, they are going to go into their trade assurance and then settle up with you. Now you have to see what that manufacturer has as far as trade assurance, how much that is. Um, most of the time I see it where they have at least $20,000 in trade assurance. That means that that's what they have up to. That's what you could be insured up to. Um, or that you can put a claim in for. So that's something to be aware of. But 
If they don't have trade assurance and you check that box, they're not going to show up. That's what we want. We want to filter down all the manufacturers so we're only seeing the ones that are qualifying, okay? The other one is gold supplier. A gold supplier is one that has been vetted out by uh, Alibaba, and they also are seen, uh, or as far as a track record, they also have how long they've been a gold supplier. So if they've been a gold supplier for five years, that's pretty good. Gold supplier just means that they haven't really had any complaints against them. They've met all the criteria within Alibaba. Alibaba wants to make sure that all of their suppliers are, uh, you know, are not giving out bad product or they're not getting, you know, in, into confrontations, like all of that stuff. So when they have a gold badge, it's a pretty good chance that they are a pretty legit company. Now, I would take it a step further at that point is where once I see these two criterias, then I see a company that I might want to start reaching out to. I also would probably want to go check out their website or some of their other stuff or their other properties that they have. And you can do this just by even Googling their company name um, and then kind of digging in there. Or you, sometimes they'll even have their link inside of Alibaba. But that's just a little bit deeper of a search. That's what I would do as well. Now, the other thing you're going to do once you get to Alibaba or AliExpress is you're going to search by keyword for whatever product that you're thinking about selling or a similar product, uh, because this will lead you to a supplier that can manufacture that for you. So think of Alibaba or AliExpress like a search engine, because that's what it is, but for private label products or wholesale products, uh, you can now do a search inside of their search engine and then you can find the most relevant ones. And by filtering them down, that will only give you uh, the different manufacturers or suppliers that meet that criteria. So search by keywords. Like if you're looking for a, a garlic press, search garlic press. If you're searching for fishing rod, search for fishing rod. And then from there, you can start to, uh, to, start to find those different manufacturers. Um, the other thing you wanna do here, again, like I said, is look at the supplier's history a little bit, okay? And, and by doing that, again, that will help you down the line as far as like how long they've been around, how many do they employ? It'll tell you all that type of stuff. Are they a legit factory? Um, and then the last thing is here is you're going, to, you're going to inquire about the products. You're going to reach out to the agent because that's really what you're dealing with here. You're dealing with an agent. And if you go back and listen to episode 435, you'll hear how this agent is paid. You'll hear, um, you know, how, uh, you know, they have to really push sales as much as possible because they're banking on you doing a purchase. So when they're doing this, you want to be also aware that, you know, sometimes they may tell you, uh, things that aren't necessarily true. So that's why it's so important that you create this relationship with them. And in episode 435, um, we talk all about that and how we've done it and uh, you know how my partner has done a really, really super good job of this and really gave some great tips. So definitely go check that episode out. Um, but when you inquire about these products, all you're really doing is starting a conversation. And what we're going to do here next is we'll, we'll open up, uh, or actually you won't be able to see it, but I'm going to be able to see it and I'm going to read it to you guys. Um, and, or maybe even we could have Chris read it. I don't know. Chris, do you have the slide or don't you? Uh, I can find it and pull it up, but if you have it handy, I, you I could share it with me. And I, I do can... have it handy. Um, I could share it. Uh, Through yeah. The power of the internet. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, I'll share that with you. But while we're doing that, um, why don't you talk just, uh, briefly, uh, you know, as far as like how important you feel it is to sending 
you know, an email to, you know, your, your agent or, you know, your, your supplier and what you think, uh, they should be doing when they, uh, when they send that email. So there's a couple of things with this, and this is kind of similar to how we started out with that big net at the beginning, right? Scott, where we talked about, there's no such thing as a stupid idea. It should all go down on that touch list. The same thing kind of applies to suppliers, right? We want to contact as many people as we can that are relevant to us at the top. And then we're going to try to get our hands on as many samples as we can. But before we even get to that, we're going to knock some people out. And one of the things that's super powerful about something like the sourcing template that we use and the email communication is you get to learn a few different things about each of these suppliers. One, do they pay attention to details? Did they answer all of my questions? Two, how responsive are they? And this one to me is something that more people should probably take into consideration that that I don't think do. And that's what causes issues down the line, right? If they take six weeks to get back to me when I'm asking them for samples, I probably don't want to work with them because I'm basically waving money in their face at that point. And if I can't get them to get me a sample or to even reply to an email, I don't expect that to change if I have a different relationship with them. So we can kind of get an idea of how responsive they are and whether or not they're going to be okay to work with, even just from this initial contact. As we work our way through the rest of this phase, we're going to get a better and better idea. And quite honestly, for me at least, and, and Scott, I think you feel the same way on this, the responsiveness and attention to detail here plays a major role in who we select to be our supplier because even if they have a slightly better product, if they're terrible to work with, I don't necessarily want them to be my point of contact or to be my supplier. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is like, you know, translation, like, can they understand your English and uh, can you understand theirs? Like, I mean, simple things like that. If it's, if, if you keep going back and forth with them and you're not, they're not understanding you, then that may not be the right fit. So again, that's going to happen once you start to communicate. Uh, now, the one question, Chris, I know I, we get quite often is like, how do we communicate with them? Do you communicate through email, through Alibaba? Um, and, you know, again, going back to episode 435, uh, what we've done is as soon as we can, we want to move over to a different platform to communicate uh, because it's quicker. Number one, they like it better. Uh, they, they like using Skype, but they also like using WeChat. Um, which I wasn't even aware of until my partner told me that that's what they're using. It's like a text app. Um, and they, they love it and they use it and it's like instant. Like they, they just can, you know, communicate back and forth. One little side tip here, and I'll, I'll kind of bring this into, uh, into the mix here, going back to 435. And one thing that I remember my partner saying is, you know, once you start this, this conversation, like also, you know, don't be afraid to even just ask a little bit more personal questions. Like, you know, so how long have you worked, you know, for this manufacturer and, uh, you know, do you have a family? Like, like little things like that open up the conversation even bigger. And, you know, the one thing that my partner said was after the initial, you know, even order was placed, you're waiting. Uh, you know, my partner would reach out to the agent and just ask how their day's going and, you know, just little, little just questions. Um, and that right there has formed into something really, really powerful now because this agent will do so much more for us because number one, you know, they're not really happy where they are in, in, in their job and you know, what they want to do is better their life. Um, and if you can, if you can figure out a way 
to compensate them if they would work for you. And this is, again, down the line. This isn't something you have to do right now. I'm just saying once you set that seed, once you start that, that conversation and you start building that relationship, you never know where that's going to lead you. So don't be afraid to, to even throw a little bit of personal stuff in there just to kind of uh, you know let them know that you're real and that you are looking to form a relationship with them um, to you know benefit both of you. I think it's it's pretty important. So with that being said, Chris, can you see my screen? Can you go ahead and I read? can. And and it's funny because you're you're sitting here talking about building real relationships in your business, right? And that, that's really what this is. Yeah, like up front, we're all business, right? It's business in the front, relationship yep. in the back, right? It's a <laughs> it's a little bit of, of sourcing agent mulletness going on right there. Yeah, it is. Um, but the thing that's funny, and Scott, I'm just gonna throw this reference out because I know that you'll know what I'm talking about. What you were just talking about, you know, creating that real personal relationship with somebody who's a supplier of yours can go a long way. And I'm going to reference the movie Tommy Boy. Nice. Right. Which is like, I love it. A a lot of you guys are like, what? If you haven't seen Tommy Boy, it's a fantastic, you know, early 90s, I want to say comedy, mid 90s comedy. Yeah. Um, And basically, you know, it's it's a story of a guy who takes over his dad's business and doesn't know how to sell anything. And kind of stumbles his way through sales. And the way that his dad had always done business was on a relationship basis. And when he figured out how to actually relate to people, he realized it's not about the guarantee on the box. It's not about exactly what the product can do, but it's about the fact that you're developing that personal relationship and you are behind the product, right? And in in the new brand specifically, the person behind the product, our agent, has saved us, because we have that relationship, yeah, they can guarantee the shipment and we can have it guaranteed through trade assurance. But if we had gotten that shipped to us, then we have to go through that process, Yeah. right? By building a real relationship with that person, we don't have to rely on the quote unquote guarantee. They're there to step in for us and they like us enough to do that. <laughs> and right. so if we can use a little bit of personality and we can develop a genuine relationship don't just shoot them a, a text asking how they're doing if you don't actually care, right? But genuinely develop that relationship like you would with any other partner or friend in your business, then you can go a long way. Well, and um, and th- think about this for a second. It's like how many times have you seen like in a restaurant business or even in just an auto supply store or whatever, right? People come in there and they're going to buy stuff or they are going to order stuff for their store or their restaurant. And most of the time the sales rep, they know, and they know their personal story. They know a little bit about their family. They know about, they're going to do baseball on the weekend. Like those are relationships that, that are developed over time. And that's going to almost sometimes make you want to keep doing business with that company. So I know that we're a little bit of out of the scope here, but not really, because in the beginning, you have to understand that it's so important that you you see if, number one, this is going to work. And by doing that, we want to do that really quickly just by sending out, we're going to give you guys an email template here, a little swipe copy. Chris will read it. But you just want to, you want to first off, just see how fast they communicate back with, how their English is. That's like step number one. But then from there, once you start to get that dialogue, once you start to get that, you know, the back and forth communications then you can start to see uh, how well you know this relationship is going to to be and turn into. And then that's even just like asking questions, like side note things, like oh by the way, I'm thinking about launching you know this. 
Do you guys, um, you know, do you guys source that or, or do you guys manufacture that? If not, do you know someone I can go to? And you can see if they say, yeah, I, yeah, we don't, but there is a company here and I can lead you to them. Boom, right there. We know now that they're willing to help us connect us through. Because think about this. You have someone on the ground in China or wherever you're doing business and they are your they're your communications. They're your feet. They're, they're there on the ground. And perfect example is going back to episode 435. We had our agent take a six hour train ride to go look at two factories one way. Right. And, uh, she knows that in the future we are going to use her for everything that we can. We're even having her source products that she didn't even normally source. Um, but now she's our legs and she is our communications on the ground there. So just keep that in mind when you're doing this. So Chris, why don't you go ahead and go through uh, that sourcing email uh, template that we'd like to use? Absolutely. There's there's a couple different reasons we do this. The first one is obviously to see their responsiveness, like I said. Two is their attention to detail, right? So we send kind of all of the questions that we want to know the answers to in that first email. And Scott, this kind of came from both you and I sending these individually, right? And realizing that it took eight back and forths to get all of the answers because we were asking one question, getting an answer, asking another question. And if we line them out in the way that we do here in the sourcing email template, it makes it really easy. And even if they don't answer all eight, they're generally gonna answer like five or six or maybe even seven of them and get us a good chunk of the information we need. And that makes it really easy because if you're not on something like WeChat, or on Skype where you're instantly communicating back and forth, every time you have to send an email, it's basically a day turnaround, right? So we send all eight questions at the beginning and the email goes a little bit like this. It says, hi, my name is Chris and I'm the purchasing agent for XYZ company. We're in the process of adding a garlic press to our product line and your product seems to be exactly what we're looking for. I have a few questions. One, do you offer samples and how much for them, including DHL Express shipping to United States zip code 89078? Obviously, you're going to put in whatever zip code you are in there. Question number two is how long to receive two different samples? Question three, how can we pay using PayPal or can we pay using PayPal? Question number four, can we change the color? And I would add in here or make other modifications to the product, right? Because If you're not looking to change the color, if you want to make it different, you can kind of play with that one a little bit there. Question number five, can we brand the product with our logo? This is going to be like a private label imprint type of a process. Some manufacturers will say yes. Some will say no, but we can put it on the poly bag. We can put it on the packaging. That'll give you an idea of how you're going to actually be able to brand that product. Question number six, if I order, what is the cost per unit, including DHL Air Express shipping, to United States zip code 89076. Obviously, again, you guys are just going to swap that with your zip code. Question number seven, how long for manufacturing once we place an order? And question number eight, do you accept escrow payments? From there, we just let them know our first order of 500 units is going to be a small test order. In the future, we're going to be ordering between 1,000 and 5,000 units. Can we order 500 units for our first order? We're looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks. Chris, Kitchen Express purchasing agent. Perfect. Yeah, that that's basically it in a nutshell. And again, you modify that any way that you want, uh, and then from there the conversation starts. And a lot of times, what they'll do is they'll they'll send the email back and they will kind of outline each question and put their answer underneath each one. That's why I like to have it almost like a bullet point list. Um, and then this way here, they will kind of copy that and then they'll 
they'll you know type in their answer. Um, and again, this is a great way for you to see how quickly they email you back. You're gonna get a lot of these answered. Some of them, they may need some more information. They may say, what color? You know, red is more than yellow. And then you didn't know that. So now you're going to be able to ask that question. Um, you know, so there's going to be probably a little bit more back and forth, but this will at least get the ball rolling. And it allows you to send this out to 10, 15, 20 different suppliers and then see who responds. And then you can start to narrow it down and whittle it down from there. Um, so that's exactly what you want to do there. Now, again, uh, kind of showing you there, showing you this, you know, through audio. Um, but if you want to, uh, to see this, you're definitely going to want to go over to the show notes page, uh, to this episode. Also on our workshop, we go through this and we share all the downloads and all that stuff with, uh, with this and more sourcing tips and all that stuff. So our workshop, I should probably should mention that Chris, if you guys want to attend the workshop where we go through all five phases, which we're actually going through in an audio version in a sense here on the podcast in this series, um, you can head over to the amazing forward slash workshop. You can register for an upcoming one there. And again, we go into a little bit more detail. We a little bit more over the shoulder, a little bit more visual. Um, but definitely go check that out if you're interested in seeing everything kind of as we go through it in one, uh, one chunk of time, basically about 90 minutes. Um, so that's the sourcing email that we use again, modify it, use it however you want. The other thing that I want to mention here is ordering samples. A lot of people, um, they get hung up on this for a couple different reasons. Number one, they think, why should I have to pay for a sample? They should just send that to me. Well, here's the deal they are usually shipping that by air. And at least you should have it shipped by air because you want to get it quickly. Um, that's going to cost 30 to $50 to ship that. So expect to pay it. Remember, this is a business and, uh, you know, just expect to pay it. The other thing, the other reason why you want a sample is because you do not want to just look at a picture and order 500 units. You want to get it. You want to test it. You want to see how, how it does under pressure. If you have something that could break, like whatever, like get it, use it, abuse it, see how well it performs, see what you'd like to do differently. Um, you may even want to order two samples at two different times, order maybe one, one day, and then wait a week and order another one. Um, you may also want to order three or four different ones from three or four different manufacturers. Um, these are things that you're going to have to decide yourself. Um, and then also you'll, you'll see how well they package it when it comes in the mail. That'll give you a sign as far as how well they package things and how much care they take with it. So those are uh, just a few things with the samples, but I would never, ever, ever, um, order based on pictures, um, or even video. I, I need to get that in my hands. You have to, you have to. Um, the other thing is, is when you're in this stage, keep it simple. Okay. And what I mean by that is, is your packaging. All right. When you're doing packaging, um, if you're doing 500 units, you can create custom packaging in a sense. It can look custom. And what I mean by that is ask them, what is their standard box? What is their standard size? What is their, their standard packaging? And then all you would need to do is create graphics by a graphic designer, 99 designs, Upwork, any of those. Um, and then you can, uh, have them create graphics, um, for that. Um, so definitely keep it simple, but make it look a little bit custom with, even if it's just your logo on there. All right. But the other question I get is, well, Scott, I've done this and they say they want uh, a minimum of a thousand units. That's fine. 
Ask them if they will print the thousand boxes, but you'll keep 500 there at their factory and only use 500. So this way here, you're only paying maybe 30 cents a box. You don't have to buy a thousand units, if that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, the other thing is, by keeping it simple, is use air shipping. And the reason why I like air shipping on your first shipment is a couple things. Number one, you get it quicker. Number two, it's sent directly to you. So this way here, you can inspect it yourself. All right. This way, if there's any problems, you can catch it before it gets shipped in. Now, if you're international or if you don't want to ship it to yourself, then I would recommend using a third party inspection company. There's a couple of them out there. Again, I'll leave these on uh, the, the resources page. There is guided imports. They have one. It's uh, pretty affordable, a couple hundred bucks. They'll go right to the factory, do an inspection. There's top win inspection, which a lot of our students have used and they're really good. They're, uh, they're a, a company that will go really, really deep into the inspections for you. Um, so those are just some options for you, but you definitely want to keep the packaging simple and you want to use air shipping. At least that's what we do. Um, I say you want to, you don't have to, it's just, to me, it's going to be the faster and the easier way, uh, by doing air. Also, you kind of don't have to jump through the hoops that you would if you were doing sea shipping and also sea shipping. A lot of times is going to take 40 to 60 days, depending. So again, you're going to be kind of taking a lot more time to get the product so this way we can get it launched. Even if we're spending more in the beginning, I'm okay with that. I just want to know that we can validate it really quickly and we can get kind of the ball rolling. So before we wrap up here, let's just do a little recap here on your sourcing, uh, your sourcing process for, uh, for your first product or additional products that you're going to be launching here. Number one is you're going to search for the products in Alibaba or AliExpress. All right. Number two, you're going to use filters to find the highest quality suppliers. Three, you're going to contact the supplier with specific questions. And it's very important that you do that. You can use the email uh, that we just shared with you, but you definitely want to do that because that's going to also let you see the communication and how quickly they get back to you. And then number four, respond to suppliers that email you back. It's important that you respond to them like you would want to be responded to, you know, get back to them. Even if you're not going to use them, don't burn a bridge, email them back. Say, sorry, this isn't going to work for us at this time. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'll contact you in the future. If we need your services, something like that. Number five, order samples and test. Okay. These are the, the samples that you're going to get. You're going to test. You're going to see if these are going to be worth ordering. And then once you say, yes, it is, you're going to move on to step six, which is placing your first order. And then you're going to be waiting. All right. But while you're waiting, you're going to be working on what we call the pre-launch phase, which will be the next podcast episode in this series, which we're going to be talking about optimi optimizing your listing, um, getting your listing created, all of that stuff, and getting your pre-launch list created. So this way here, once you get your product ready to launch, you can get sales on day one. And that will be in the pre-launch phase, which is going to be coming next in this series. So that's pretty much what I have for you on sourcing. Uh, again, episode 435 will also give you some more details as far as, uh, you know, really dealing with the agent, building that relationship, and also um, some things that we've learned along the way, especially through this most recent um, little, little blunder that we had that uh, we actually uh, got out of because of our agent. But is there anything else, Chris, that you want to add here before we wrap up? I know there's some common questions that are usually asked. Is there anything I'm forgetting? Yeah, and I got a whole list of questions that I wrote down uh, as we were going through this because of all the times that we've gotten questions about this. So the first one, Scott, is like, how many samples should I actually get? 
Good question. And, and and for me, I would try to get between at least three and five different s suppliers to give you samples, right? I, I would err on the side of five if you can find them and if, if you feel confident in that. Three would kind of be the bare minimum to me. The other thing is I like to get at least two units from each supplier. It's generally not going to change the cost to get two, or if it does, it's going to be by a couple bucks because it's going to be 40 bucks in shipping either way. So they just charge you the extra for the product, mm -hmm. right? So it's not a big deal to get two. And the reason that I like to get two, one, sometimes you can actually see a quality difference just looking at the two. That would be a bad thing. Uh, but two, it also lets you give one to somebody else to beat up because they're going to use it differently or yeah. play with it differently or, you know, put it in the dishwasher when you wouldn't put it in the dishwasher True. or, you know, uh, maybe they try to press an orange through it and they find out that it works really well instead of just pressing garlic. Right. Um, so I would always try to get two for those reasons. It's not going to really cost you anymore. And I think you're kind of on the same boat as well. You like to see between three and five samples for yeah. every product that you source. How do you actually pay for those samples? Generally, I do PayPal. Um, so PayPal is generally what we do. Now, that doesn't mean that they'll do PayPal on the whole order, but generally it's through PayPal. Um, and not, not many times have we done uh, wire um, on a sample. It's mainly PayPal. And they'll generally always do PayPal. Um, what about you, Chris? I, I think it's almost always been PayPal. I don't know that I've ever sent a wire. And there, again, like you can use PayPal to pay for a whole order in a lot of cases, but on samples, they're willing to do that. And because I'm getting a tracking number on a specific product, if I don't get it for whatever reason, that payment is protected, right? Well, I don't want to have to go through like the Alibaba trade assurance process, for right, example. Right. So PayPal makes that super simple. They're generally going to be willing to accept PayPal for samples at the very least, especially if you're willing to cover the fee. So what I normally do is I include an extra five bucks yep. over whatever they're asking, even if they don't ask us to cover the fee just to start off on the right foot with that supplier. And yeah. for me, it's worth $55 to start off on the right foot rather than 50 bucks and then have them come back and say, oh, we didn't get enough because we forgot about the fee. Yeah, we, we had that happen too in the beginning where uh, we wanted to pay for the whole order um, with PayPal and they said, no, uh, we, we don't do that because you know the fee is too expensive. And I said, well, what's the fee? And they were like 250 bucks. I'm like, I'll pay the fee. Like right, I, I'll pay I, the extra two hundred. That's like my insurance policy. So that's what I did. I don't do that anymore. Um, we have used escrow, um, but most recently because we have such a great relationship with, you know, with our girl over there, um, we do everything wire. So we've had no issues. Knock on wood. Hear that? Knocking on wood. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, once you build up that relationship, I mean, I think going wire for the full order is fine. Um, but the the sample is generally going to be a PayPal transaction. How do I actually go about getting changes made well, to a product? So like we, we referenced that garlic press yep. at the end of the last episode where we said, you know, it doesn't press very well. The, the prongs bend uh, and it smears everywhere. Yep. Well, I, I think you, you would, uh, again, you would need to ask what their process would be to modify that. So it would be asking a question. It would be like, you know, uh, I noticed that your, uh, you know, the holes on the, garlic press are square. I'd like them to be round and I would like them to be maybe even a certain size. Um, can this be done? And then they're going to say yes or no. Um, so that would be the first step. Um, the other thing that you can do is you can ask them if they have any other versions of that product. They may already have one that isn't the cheaper version. That's the better version. That's already got these things done for you. You just have to pay more for it. And that may be worth it for you. 
Um, it may be as simple as adding a piece of Velcro to a certain area because the flap keeps opening up and you want to make sure it's secure. So you just have to understand what the things are that need to be modified or that you want modified and then ask how we can go about making that happen. And for the most part, it's, it's a small tweak or an adjustment. If you wanted to actually create a whole new design or something like that, then we're going to be talking about creating a mold. We're going to be, you know, creating, uh, you know, probably even some type of, uh, you know, retainer that says that you are going to, uh, you know, commit to doing a certain number of units, like all of that stuff. That's a little bit more advanced. I wouldn't go that far, especially with your first product, uh, myself. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it's as simple as sending an email to the supplier and saying, Hey, can we change the material on the garlic press prongs? They bend really easily and they'll say yes or no. Yep. <laughs> right. I mean, yep. it's, it's very simple for most, most modifications. You don't need to get an industrial designer or anything like that involved. If you're going with a more comprehensive overhaul than you might, but for the most part, you're going to be making small changes to these products adding a magnet, adding hook and loop fastener, adding something like that to make the the, the enclosure more secure, right? Um, another question that we get asked all the time, Scott, is how do I find suppliers in X country? So how do I find American suppliers? How do I find Canadian suppliers? I don't want to source from China. So my first question back to a lot of people is why? You know, China has a huge manufacturing base. There is some negative connotation around, you know, the made in China label, but it's not really warranted in most cases. If you can get a great quality product at a less expensive price than where you would get it elsewhere in the world, I would still take a look at it. But if you want to find a product that's specifically made in a certain country, and the the example that comes up all the time is in the United States. I want to find a U.S. supplier. Yeah. First of all, Alibaba is not just Chinese suppliers. Alibaba has suppliers from all over the world, including suppliers in the U.S. that are smart enough to use the platform because they know that people are searching for products. But there are some other resources out there that you can use, but they're not nearly as user-friendly as Alibaba. The first one that I would point you to is probably something like ThomasNet, which is literally, and Scott, you've heard me say this in the in the past, it's the yellow pages online. Yeah. Like it's not really a searchable database in the way that you would go to Google and find an answer. You can find lots of suppliers there, but it's basically just a list by category yep. of everybody you know that does that. And most of those are going to be US or North American suppliers. The other thing that you can do if you want to find a supplier that might not be on Alibaba is just go to Google and type in your product plus private label or plus white label. So garlic press private label, right? And you'll find a whole bunch of people who are making private label garlic presses available for sale by doing that. And then you can find out, you know, what country are they in and, and go from there. But for the most part, I would suggest that everyone at least starts on Alibaba. If you don't get a sample that meets your quality or you just want to play around, and see, you know, okay, if I get one from the US, if I get one from Canada, because the shipping is going to be less and I can get the product faster, even though I pay more per unit, maybe it works out. And we actually have some products that we source in the US and Canada um, as well, but most of them came from finding someone on Alibaba originally. So I would definitely take a look at that. And one last question I have for you, actually two last questions, Scott. Do I need to have a custom email? Like, do I need to have uh, xyz.com email address if xyz is my company or can I just use like a gmail a hotmail a, a aol a yahoo email yeah I think you can just use uh, uh you know any any email address it doesn't have to be corporate -y. it doesn't have to be businessy um you can just use your you know and I would do this though I would create one for uh you know for doing this outreach because you probably will start to uh to get you know some additional emails now you don't want to clog up your other email program 
so I would do that. I would designate one for my sourcing, um, and I would just set up a Gmail account. But no, you don't have to have anything special for that. And most most suppliers are using a weird email as well. They're not using their company email for that. Exactly. Um, and kind of on that same note, a lot of suppliers will ask you to take communications outside of Alibaba mm -hmm. to email or to WeChat or to Skype. And that's something that a lot of people get freaked out about. But if you've ever spent more than 20 minutes in the Alibaba messaging system, you'll understand exactly why. There's a lot of great things about Alibaba. Their messaging system is not one of them. <laughs> exactly. And so the suppliers don't really like it. And if you can move them into your inbox or into something like WeChat, it makes it a lot easier to communicate with them directly so that you're not having to log into the platform. And it makes it easier to categorize and file stuff away if you need to find it later rather than having to scroll through one giant message chain. Um, the last question, Scott, and it's something that we get asked all the time, like, do you have to go to China to do this? No, you don't. And that's exactly what I was talking about in the beginning. It's like, if you create these relationships, you almost have people there. Well, not even almost, you do have people there that are working for you. And if you do a good job of kind of vetting these people out and building this relationship, you could have someone like us that takes a six hour train ride for you, uh, to a couple of different fact factories on your behalf. Um, and, uh, and then from there kind of expose you to factories that aren't even listed on Alibaba. So the answer is, you know, no, you don't have to be there and you don't have to go there. But if you have relationships with people that are there, that is where you kind of are there in a sense, as far as your business goes. Exactly. Scott, I think that wraps it up for the FAQ here. If you have anything else you wanted to chat about, if not, we'll let everybody get on with their day. No, I think, uh, I think right now I want people to go out there and take their list of products that they potentially want to source and kind of get their hands dirty and get in there and, uh, start, you know, start doing your searches, start doing your outreach. Um, you know, Understand also that in most cases, it's going to be, you know, a 12 hour difference or nine hour difference, depending on where you're, where you're located. Um, you know, so it is going to be a time difference. So if you email something at, uh, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, your time, they probably aren't going to get it for a while. Um, also be prepared to be up late at night because that's when they are up. And, uh, my partner will tell you right now that, uh, they've gotten, uh, some, some nights with uh, less sleep because they're up till two o'clock in the morning talking about, um, you know, going back and forth cause they're getting instant, they're getting instant answers, right? They're, they're getting the, you know, the reply back instantly. So they don't have to wait another day to then reply. So sometimes you're going to have to, you know, suck it up and you're going to stay up a little late because you're going to be doing this communications back and forth, but that's not all the time. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to do here is really kind of get you guys going on the sourcing side of things. Um, that is going to officially wrap up this episode. Um, this is episode 442. So the show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 442. This is part three of a five part series. At least it's five part as of right now, there may be a sixth, I don't know. Um, but we are going to be taking you through the entire roadmap of finding and sourcing and launching your products on Amazon through this series. Again, this is part three. Um, and in the next episode, we're going to be talking all about the pre-launch as far as how to get your listing created, how to optimize it, getting it ready for your inventory. And then from there, how to get ready to start getting your first set of sales to start ranking you and start getting you found inside of Amazon. So that's what we're going to be doing next. Uh, super excited to have you guys uh, follow along here with the series. Again, if you want to attend one of our workshops where we walk you through this in about 90 minutes, all five phases, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 
workshop. You can register for an upcoming one there. And uh, we'll also generally be answering questions there as well. So definitely go check that out if you're at all interested. And if you kind of wanted to have the look over the shoulder version, more of a visual, you're definitely going to want to do that. All right. So that is it. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, remember guys, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud. Chris is going to say it with us today. I think he is. Chris, you're going to say it. Absolutely. All right. On the count of three, one, two, three, take Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day guys. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode.